I want me some glory hope. Oh, yeah, boys and girls. Hello, and welcome to the Football Glory Hole Podcast. As you can see, this week it is a solo podcast. Whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, SoundCloud, or especially on our YouTube page this week, as it is a video simulcast, I'm by myself, your boy Bo Sevis. Uh, Longhorn could not be with us this week, the, uh, the other half of our on air team here at FGH. Uh, yes, he is in prison. Uh, yes, we are trying to get him out. Uh, something about trumped up charges with a you know tranny uh, prostitute. I don't know. You never know what the guy gets into. But anyway, I'm here. I'm here to talk to you. Man, I missed you guys. And I came on here today to talk to you because, uh, you know, there's no sports right now. And there's a lot of kind of ridiculous debates and shit going on on sports radio, which, you know, first of all, any man or woman out there doing sports radio or television right now, I commend the shit out of you for even going out there and doing it. How you guys are doing it with nothing going on is really fucking beyond me. And I know, you know, we're bringing advanced analytics into things and, you know, eye tests and all this other kind of stuff just to make fodder and stuff for the radio. But man, is it fucking what a tough job right now. And on top of that, you know, they still have to deal with you people, the fucking fans, which you guys are goddamn lunatics, for sure. But you know what? I mean, fuck. That's a hard job being a fan, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I couldn't imagine, like, getting that emotionally attached to a color of a fabric or a fucking logo on the side of a helmet. Like, it actually affects your fucking mood. Like, your team wins on Sunday... You float into on the job side or in the office on Monday, high-fiving your boys, you know, and then punking out that one motherfucker that, you know, is at your job or whatever, and he doesn't like, it's, he's the fucking worst guy. He's like, I don't really like a team like when I was younger, I supported uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, but now, you know, I, really don't, I don't like a team, I don't really care that much, but uh, your team sucks. Like, he's always talking shit, but he won't take any because he won't pick a fucking side hate that fucking guy. He's always got, like, some stupid name, like, fucking Steve. It's Steve. Like, every fucking job has a fucking Steve. Every fucking job has a Steve. Well, you know what, Steve, from all of us, fuck you, buddy. Alright? How about that? (laughs) Oh, my God. We're fucking three minutes in, and I've already fucking alienated part of our fan base and uh, tells people to go fuck themselves. It might be a new record here at FGH, but god damn it, this is tough with no sports. But the particular reason why I wanted to record this podcast was there is one argument out there that I wanted to shed some light on from a Vegas perspective. When I mean from a Vegas perspective, like we don't have any bias. Like we're not fans. We don't care who wins and loses. The only people that we care if they win or not is us, right? Us and our clients, and that's it. We don't give a shit past that. So the way we look at things, the way we value things is a little bit different because we do things that are going to basically relative how they affect the market. Now, I'm not saying we don't use advanced analytics to build our algorithms because, of course, we do. Uh, That's how we get the games right. 
right? So there is a lot of numbers involved, but the way we judge things is quite a bit differently. So the biggest argument right now going around is quarterbacks, you know, who's any good, who's good, who's not good, how much can you pay them, can you pay them, would you pay them, how much is too much, all that shit. And it's a valid, uh, it's a valid argument, right? And there's a lot of different ins and outs to it. Uh, as far as you know, cap space and percentages, and there's all these numbers out there. No quarterback up more than 15 or 16 percent of the caps, whatever, won a Super Bowl. Uh, so, and all that's good and great, but you've heard all that. So now we want to tell you from a Vegas perspective. But I will say this up front: as I started doing this research, this became way more of a project than I ever imagined it would. I was going to do a simple little ranking system, probably just tweet it out. Not even do the pod, but when I started digging deeper and deeper and see how far this thing went, I felt compelled to do this. I really did. Uh, and I'm pretty excited to present it to you because it's pretty damning. It's pretty damning in a lot of different ways and not to any particular player, uh, but you'll see as we kind of get into it. So first of all, a lot of, a lot of people say, you know, oh, from a Vegas perspective, quarterbacks are worth, you know, Mahomes is worth nine points, right? Uh, Lamar Jackson is worth seven and a half points, whatever. You guys probably heard a lot of that. That's not what we're going to talk about today. And the reason why we're not going to talk about that is because there is a lot of a lot more stuff goes into it than you kind of think about. Like a big part of what your value is to the spread is what is behind you, right? So, for example, Drew Brees is a more valuable quarterback standalone to the spread than, um, say, a well. Can't use Dak anymore because Cooper's gone. Well, we'll just start it. So, so then Dak Prescott, right? But Dak would be worth more points, you know, or as many points last year because he had Cooper Rush behind him and Drew Brees had what some people considered a viable backup, and now he's got two of them. So it really depends on your backup is what I'm trying to say at that. So now, even though Dak's the same quarterback, probably even better this year, his value to the spread might not be as much because now he has Andy Dalton, a very capable backup, and not a Cooper Rush, you know, who... I don't, I don't remember him ever taking a snap, which I'm sure the Cowboys are fine with that. But anyway, that's why we're not going to talk about that because it changes from year to year. It's a little bit subjective in that matter. So we're going to move on past that. And we've actually come up with four different uh, rankings, or I guess groups, that we're going to rank quarterbacks in. It's all due to success versus the spread. So ATS success as a starter. And you might think to yourself, what the hell does that matter? No, it matters a lot actually, because the way you perform against the spread is the way you perform against expectation. So in other words, you don't have to add in all these advanced analytics and all these different things of all the drop rates and this and that and you know injuries and this and that, like all of it's factored into the line. Everything is factored into the marketplace. The market projects what you should do. You, by your own individual play, go out there and how you lead your team, whether you hit expectations or do not hit expectations. So and you'll kind of see how we get into it as we go. And then the data points we use was from 2016 forward. So, and the reason why we use four years is that is a pretty good um, swipe of data to make uh, any kind of trend lines you want to make. And plus it keeps it relative to usually within four years. It's not, there's tons of turnover in the NFL as far as your mainstays, your head coaches and all that kind of stuff. Four years is a decent amount of data, right? If you're talking about the same starting quarterback, usually the head coach doesn't get fired too many times. You got the same starting quarterback, but I know it does happen. But we took four years because it's the best, most relative 
swipe of data that you can do is kind of for your chunks for the NFL. It's kind of like a, it's just like a data cycle, basically. Uh, but anyway, not to bore you guys with that shit. So we came up with different four different tiers. So you've got, let's see. So it's 2000, sorry, it's 2016 on. So in other words, like if you haven't been starting quarterback since 2016. We're not putting you in. So, like, no Mahomes, no Lamar, no Baker. Those guys, we wanted four years of actual data. All right? So, when we did that, we got our four tiers. We've got the book crushers. We got the money makers. We got the coin flippers. And we got the bank roll busters. So, starting at the top. And this is the top. Uh, looks like five. Four, four guys, sorry. No five. Five guys that are the book Crushers. Starting with number one, and this is ATS winning percentage. Number one, not a huge shocker, but Tom Brady at 65%. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something right now. Tom Brady for his career is about 60%, right, right about there. But in the last four years, he's covered at 65%. Stop and think again what I said about expectation. Vegas expects Tom Brady and the Patriots to win. They expect him to be really fucking good, right? And yet he's still, with them expecting them to be really good and expecting them to win games and favoring them 7, 8, 10, 12 points, still covers 65% of the goddamn time. It's beyond fucking incredible. I really should have made a different tier for him. It's not even really fair putting him with these guys. He's the fucking GOAT. He's the GOAT in Vegas. He's the fucking GOAT. Now... We'll see how he does in Tampa Bay, but again, these we're talking about these last four years. So number one, 65%. Number two, and this is where I started to get intrigued and we started to go down the rabbit hole that we'll get into later. But number two, second best ATS quarterback since 2016, Ryan fucking Tannehill, 60.6%. Crushing it. Uh, number three would be Jared Goff, 59.5%. Number four, Drew Brees at 58%. I would like to point out that Andrew Luck, uh, for this time frame too, would have been 58.6%. Just throwing that out there. I know there's a lot of people that thought Andrew Luck wasn't any good, you know. But there's a lot of people out there that like strawberry ice cream too, and I can't help, you know, what the fuck you people do, but I'm just telling you the facts. Uh, and then number five to round out the book crushers, Jimmy G. Jimmy G string, 57.7%. Now, the next tier down, these are our money-making quarterbacks. In other words, this is good money that you can make. Uh, you, you definitely would profit with these percentages, and if you played them with enough volume and enough period of time, you'd make yourself a shitload of, shitload of cash. Coming in the top of that field is Dak Prescott, 55.4% ATS. Aaron Rodgers, 53.8% ATS. And that kind of sparked me a little bit, too. And then Carson Wentz, 53.2%. So, for all the people... They're arguing, is Dak better than Wentz? Is Wentz better than Dak? Well, goddammit, Dak covers more than Wentz by about 200 basis points. We'll get into it. We'll get it. Don't, don't fucking lose your mind just yet, okay? Calm the fuck down. Sit down and listen, okay? Anyway, <laughs> next one down, the coin flippers. We got Matthew Stafford, 51.78%. Russell Wilson. Again, I'm, in, I'm getting intrigued, right? 50.8%. And then, of course, of course, right on the fucking nose, and I never would have believed this if I didn't look it up myself, Mr. 50-50 fucking Kirk Cousins himself, exactly 50%. ATS. 
Unfucking believable. And then uh, these last, this is this is uh, your bankroll busters right here. You're going fucking broke if you're betting on these guys. Deshaun Watson, 48%. Matt Ryan, 47.8%. Uh, Derek Carr, 46%. Way less good-looking uh, brother than... Just a shitty quarterback, just a lot less good. Like, he's not going to have a career in TV. Plus, have you heard him talk? He's kind of dumb. Like, he looks like a fucking mongoloid, and he's stupid. Bad combination. And then, last, famous Jameis, the Craig King himself, Jameis Winston, 45.8%. So, you bet on those guys, you are fucking going broke. Now, like I said, after I did that, I really started looking at, you know, some of these guys aren't as fucking good. Tannehill, 60% cover. Some of these guys, you know, like a Russell Wilson or Matt Ryan, they can't be that fucking bad, all right? They've been to Super Bowls, won Super Bowls. Russell Wilson's the first battle Hall of Famer. Tell me he covers 50% of the time. Like, what the fuck? So I decided to do something. I decided to go to the first four years of some of these guys' careers and kind of look and see what they did. ATS their first four years. So I'm just going to look at that. I've got these numbers written down here. So we'll start with Mr. Wilson. His first four years in Seattle, where they went to two Super Bowls and won one of them, uh, 62.9% ATS. 50% now, 62.9% then. Matt Ryan, first four years of the Falcons, 60.3% ATS. 40, what was he at? 47.8 now. Went from crushing it to losing your ass. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, first four years in Green Bay, 61%. Now, Aaron Rodgers is in the money-making division, right? 53.8, but he was at 61%. First four years. So then I started thinking, okay, what what does this have in common? First four years. Oh, sorry. And one guy that I didn't mention because he hadn't started the last couple years, really, but uh, Joe Flacco... His first five years, 55% Joe Flacco. So, I started thinking, okay, what do all these guys have in common? First four or five years, what happens after that? What, what, Where is the fall down? And it hit me. They get fucking paid. They get fucking paid. And then when more of the money goes to them, less money can go to their help. You see what happens to their performance relative to the spread. And again, this is Vegas's expectation, all right? And you can see that it does translate into wins and losses, obviously. If you don't cover a lot of spreads, you're not winning fucking football games, all right? So then I started looking like, okay, well, let's look at another. We got one, right, and that group, Surefire, two Surefire Hall of Famers, and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson, and both of them hit like that. But I was thinking, what about Breeze, all right? Because if you remember Breeze, the arc of his career, Gets hurt from San Diego. Miami won't sign him. And then New Orleans takes a chance. Takes a chance. Signs him for, I think it was a six-year deal. Yeah, six-year deal. Not, big, I mean, it's big money, but not big, big-time money. Not as much as he could have got, but they were taking a chance. So his first six years in New Orleans, Drew covered 56% of the time and won a Super Bowl. Then after that, he did get big-time paid. Big-time paid. The next four years after he got big time paid, 48% ATS. 48% ATS for first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback after he got paid. So I'm thinking, okay, 
And we look back at Joe Flacco, which not that Joe Flacco is Joe Montana or anything, but first five years, again, 55%, that's a moneymaker, right? He's right there with Dak Prescott. Next five years after he got paid, remember Joe Flacco very famously bet on himself, and he's like, nah, I'm going to ride this out, and he went and won the fucking Super Bowl, and then he got paid. Next five years after he got paid, 44.8% ATS. So again, a lot to do in common of when, when these guys are getting paid. And if you look at two Hall of Famers and Russell Wilson and Drew Brees with the immediate drop-off they've had after they got paid, I mean, I don't know. Unless your name's Tom fucking Brady, you know, I don't know how much success you can have after you get paid as a quarterback, and I'm talking about any quarterback. So then, brought it back to, right, the hot topic in town, Dak Prescott. Can you pay Dak? Should you pay Dak? Would you pay Dak? Right Again, right now, 55.4% ATS for his first four, since 2016, which just happened to be his first four years. That's pretty fucking good. Pretty fucking good. That's number six in the NFL. Right? Better than Aaron Rodgers, better than Carson Wentz, better than a lot of guys you would talk about, right? Better than all of them. So I started thinking, well, who's his backup again? Andy Dalton. I was like, I think Andy had some pretty good success. I remember first, you know, four or five years of his career. So I looked it up. Andy Dalton, first four years of his career, 59.3% ATS. 59.3. So now, and he went to four straight playoffs. I believe that's right. Four straight playoff bursts. Didn't win a game, but went there. 59.3. That is 400 basis points better than Dak Prescott is now. And then they had to pay Andy, and then they lost all that talent. Now, you could argue whether or not the Bengals rosters then were better than Cowboys rosters now. I think they're pretty comparable, honestly. Uh, I think we're the Bengals obviously probably had the edge on some defensive talent over Dallas. I think Dallas offensively blows them out of the water. I mean, A.J. Green, yes, he's great, but, I mean, T.J. Hoosman-Jada is your number two. I think there's just a jag, like, you know. So I, I think very comparable rosters, very comparable situations, and, you know, Andy was 400 basis points better than Dak. So now you have to kind of start asking yourself, can Dak buck that trend? But before we get to that, let's think about another story, like kind of, I guess, from the Vegas perspective, the real success story would be a Ryan Tannehill, Right. Because Ryan Tannehill, I told you right now, is the number two quarterback ATS since 2016. 60.6% in all starts, and that's for different teams and everything. But we, I look back at Ryan Tannehill's first four years, 44.44% ATS. So kind of the reverse of what we've been talking about, right? No success early, and then big-time success later. So what happened there? I mean, was he that bad at the beginning? Is he that good now? Probably not either, right? Probably neither one of those. Probably somewhere in the middle. I think he's just a great success story of a, you know, kind of a journeyman now veteran quarterback landing in the right spot and having real real success with a real team around him and not sucking up a lot of the salary cap. And for all those people out there, if you're one of those people, oh, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, you know, both, let me tell you something right now. Derrick Henry averaged 3.8 yards per carry with Marcus Mariota as his goddamn quarterback. He averaged 5.9 with Ryan Tannehill as his quarterback. So don't fucking tell me Derrick Henry made him look good. 
He is the one that opened up the offense so that Derrick Henry had those fucking huge running lanes. And yes, Derrick Henry's awesome. That's not the way that works, boys and girls. It's just fucking not. Now, so, I mean, I guess where I'm at with it then, those, again, we see everything black and white in Vegas. There really is no gray for us, right? Because we, we don't get the luxury of gray, right? When you're a handicapper, you're either right or you're fucking wrong. You say, Cowboys minus three and a half. Yep, that's a bet. You lay your money down, go to the ticket window, get your ticket. At the end of the game, you're either walking back up to cash out or you're tearing it up, walking away. There's only one of two results, right? So we don't get the luxury of gray. So seeing the data that I've shown you, I've shown you every single quarterback, every single quarterback of any kind of significance, after they've gotten paid, significantly drop off. From the best of the best, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, right? Three of the best quarterbacks that we've seen over the last eight years. All of them. Is Dak Prescott Russell Wilson? Is Dak Prescott Drew Brees when Drew Brees was Drew Brees? Is he Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers was Aaron Rodgers, right? I don't know. You know, I think he's Andy Dalton. I think he's better than Andy Dalton. But again, Andy Dalton was 400 basis points better than him. So does that mean he holds the line at 55? Does he stay in the, you know, in the money winning? Does he drop down to the coin flipping? I don't know. You know, but you're going to pay elite money for a dude that's not going to cover the spread at an elite level. I do know that. And again, at the end of the day, you can say, what the hell does that matter? If you look back at the top tier, right, our book crushers, look who you got in it. Brady, Super Bowl winner. Ryan Tannehill, AFC Championship game. Drew Brees, I think the last 18 champ- NFC Championship games they've been to. <laughs> Lost them all because of some bullshit. Uh, Jerry Goff just went to the Super Bowl. And Jimmy G, let me check. Yeah, just in a Super Bowl last year. So if you think ATS doesn't matter or being elite against the spread doesn't matter, again, you're just wrong. You're just wrong. Uh, and again, a lot of those other quarterbacks, we look back their early success, that's when they were going to the Super Bowl, right? The Aaron Rodgers, the Matt Ryans, all that kind of stuff. Like That's when they were having their most success. Uh, Joe Flacco. So what do you do? What do you do? Do you rotate quarterbacks once every four years like running backs? I mean, that's kind of what I would do, right? Because that's what the data's telling me to do. And again, we don't get the luxury of grade. So from a Vegas perspective, yeah. I'm just going to keep drafting quarterbacks. I'm going to rotate them out every four fucking years. I'm going to make sure that we draft the best team around and we possibly can. And that's a lot easier said than done, you know, because you've got a lot of things to weigh in on that. But number one is, would there be a GM that would have the fucking balls to do that? Because if you try to pull that shit off and it doesn't work, or, you know, it works, but not up to your owner's expectations. You're fucking fired. You're fucking fired. So, I just wonder if there's a situation where the owner and the GM were really, really tight. And they could actually do that and become the smartest, most well-ran football team in the NFL. Maybe of all time. Oh, that's right. Fucking Uncle Jerry owns the team and he's the goddamn GM. So yeah, Jerry Jones is in a unique and unbelievable situation to try this out and make it work. Because, I mean, with their front office and the way they've been scouting, uh, the head of, you know, 
their scouting department on why his name is slipping my fucking mind right this second. Uh, but all those guys come together have drafted some pretty goddamn good football players in Dallas. I mean, if you looked at our end of the year power ranking, Dallas was the top 18 per our power ranking, right? If you wanted to bet them, like, like they got in the playoffs, they would, you know, that would have been favored in that first game for sure. It just didn't work out for them because they, you know, they lost too many of the kind of go either way games and Seattle picked up those games. So every, every team's going to not get them and one team's going to get them. That's just the way the game balance works out. And Dallas was a team that just didn't get them last year, but they were a good football team. They are a good football team. They got a lot of good football players. So Will McClay, I'm sorry. Sorry, Mr. McClay. Um, that was going to bug me. Anyway, so if you're, if you're drafting that well and you're doing that well with your team, and you're the owner, and you're the GM. So, and he said many times, I, I can't fire me. I, guys, and I'm and I'm smiling when I say this, but I can't fire me. If you're gonna fucking say that shit, then take advantage of it, goddammit. Like, get out there on a limb. And it's not even a limb. Like, I, I just proved it to you. I just proved it to you. It's not even a limb. It's the smartest play you can make. It's the only play to make. And he's the only one in the National Football League in the position to do it. I don't know. It... It becomes simple, like like for us as handicappers, when we see something that black and white, it's very simple to go lay the money down. Like, yeah, that's the bet. Money down. No problem. I know it's convoluted to other people, and and I don't mean to simplify that fact to Jerry and put that all that pressure on him or any other um, owner or GM. you got a million things to worry about. Like, how marketable is Dak? Like, Dak is extremely fucking marketable. He's a good-looking fucking man. Uh, you know, the community fucking loves him. He does so many good things in the community. That's worth a lot of money as a business owner, and I understand that. I'm just looking at it from a purely football perspective and purely from a handicapping perspective. The only solution that you can handicap to do is just switch quarterbacks every four years. Never pay them, and basically treat them like running backs. So, yep, it was fun. Thanks. See you later. Next. Anyway, uh, hope you guys like that. That's about all I got to tell you. Other than that, man, I hope you're having a good time. I hope uh, everybody's getting out and about. We're no more locked down here, right? We're all fucking, you know, free to go do whatever the fuck we want again. Thank God. Jesus. And uh, if you did have any somebody that died of COVID, I am very sorry about that. Uh, but I'm pretty sure that I didn't give it to them. If that makes you feel any better. <laughs> I know. I know. It's fucking terrible. But anyway, love you fucking guys. Uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Football is fucking coming, baby!